This episode is brought to you in part by Richmond Graduate University. The field of mental health counseling is growing rapidly. Richmond Graduate University can equip you to become a licensed professional counselor, integrating your faith into your clinical practice. Programs are offered in Atlanta, Chattanooga, and online. Apply today at richmont.edu. Hey, I'm Chris, and Adam and I recorded this first season of the Device and Virtue podcast exclusively for our friends. Now that's you too, so enjoy our first attempt at arguing about tech and faith. Oh, and find our newest episodes at deviceandvirtue.com. C.S. Lewis became a household name because of the radio. So why did he get rid of the one in his house? What did C.S. Lewis think about technology? This is Device and Virtue. Hello, welcome back to the Device and Virtue Podcast. This is Chris here with Adam. Hi, Chris. How Adam, are you? how's it going, man? It's going well. We are coming to you from Chicago. Sh- but Chicago we're land. New, yeah, Chicago land. We're actually in a new venue today. The western suburbs. Indeed. We're, we've got a new view. We don't have our uh, our normal... Oh, the garden view is gone. Our, our headless goose. Yeah, that's true. Uh, our but, garden view is gone. But we're doing it. And uh, I mean, we're having a fun time. Like... Uh, the other day we went and saw La La Land, which I just thought of because you were humming. <laughs> yeah. The song from it. Yeah. City of Stars. Oh, wow. Oh, no. Here we go. Here there we go. go. This podcast is changing. <laughs> <laughs> it was a good movie, though. It was a good movie. Yeah. It was fun. Uh, you so, know, those two, they got some chemistry. So, I we had guess. a timeless thing going on with the sort of old school Hollywood and sort yeah. of the, but it's right now. It reminded me a time. little bit of uh, the movie The Artist. That huh. was that uh, black and white um, movie from a couple of years ago that was had no sound. Oh wow! It was really good. You should see it. I was actually thinking that we got to talk sometime about the technology of like movie craft, mm. like key uh, grips. <laughs> no, no, right? Uh, well, I mean, we'd have to know something about that yeah, too. We would but, have, yeah, but it'd be interesting the combining of all these things. Uh, today, though, yeah, I'm so excited about what we have man this is really good so we're not doing our traditional thing where we just bring up an article and we chat about that yeah. instead we're bringing up a brand new ebook that we just found lying around on the street <laughs> which is by E-books. author adam graber hey what's you that's me this ebook is called mere technology c.s lewis confronts the devices shaping his life in ours. Yeah. And this is brand new from you. Yeah, it is. I, I've been working on this for a while. I'm so excited about it. It's C.S. Lewis and technology, things that right? I can completely get behind. It's totally something that I think everyone can get behind. So I like, we, we, we're going to just talk about this today because yeah. it makes total sense. Like, how did you get into this? Like, see, I mean, I, I'm into C.S. Lewis. Lots of people are into C.S. Lewis. Absolutely. But C.S. Lewis and even technology. Yeah. Well, yeah, like you, I'm a C.S. Lewis fan. I wouldn't say I'm a rabid fan, but I'm a fan, and I've read quite a bit of his stuff. Um, and obviously, I'm more of a rabid technologist, I guess. But uh, yeah, a cousin of mine—this was probably five years ago—emailed me this. He knew I was interested in technology. He emails me this quote from C.S. Lewis about 
the television and TV, really? Yeah. C.S. Lewis talks about TV. He's, he talks about, that's exactly what I said. I was like, what? No way. This is something I use every day. And here's C.S. Lewis. I thought C.S. Lewis is like so outdated and, uh, you know, just not current. But here he is talking about TV and how people go into a huddle over it every night and how it keeps them from going out for walks or going out and doing gardening. And he just kind of dislikes it. And <laughs> he uh, he's just not a fan. And he talks about how the, the standard um, wage in uh, the middle counties of England are complaining because they they need to make better wages in order to afford uh, buying oh, the television because really? they're paying in installments. I see. Wow. Yeah. And and they consider it a part of their basic standard of living. I okay. mean, so in 10 years, you know, uh, the TV had gone from being this like lux- luxury toy to just being part of the normal social environment in England. Huh. You know, and I don't, I don't think about C.S. Lewis like this is like we're saying because I think about him as you know he's sitting in a study, he yeah, has a right. pipe, uh, he has lots of books, <laughs> he's, he has a fountain pen of some kind, and like just, it's just really don't think about him surrounded. But of course, he's writing, especially a lot in the later of his life, fifties, sixties, right. and right. broadcast media is everywhere. Yeah, definitely. And and Lewis knew broadcast media from the radio. I mean, he mm. he became. A household name in England because of the radio. Yeah, sure. So that's mere Christianity, right? Yeah. They were first like radio right. lectures. Right. And so he, I mean, he was very familiar and in some ways indebted to modern technology of his time huh. to for the fame that he had. Um, but he didn't like the TV. But, well, not just <laughs> the TV. I mean, he... Yeah, what else did he talk about? Yeah, he eventually, I mean, he eventually got rid of his own radio. Um, he, really? Yeah. Uh, and he, I think had a car for a while, but I think eventually got rid of that. Um, and I mean, he talks about all sorts of things, um, in abolition of man, he talks about airplanes and contraception. He talks about books being technology, even though we don't think about books as technology. Of course they are, but it's always want to make that point for people. He (laughs) talks about that too. He does. So, okay, I want to ask you about a lot of these things, but actually I was going to ask you, yeah, what books does he talk about technology? Because there's not like a C.S. Lewis book out there on the shelf. Right. That I, you you know, I've read a lot of C.S. Lewis and it's like, there's not one, you know, about technology. Right, right. It's not like on the incarnation. Yeah, right. On technology. Or on the Psalms. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and that's, I think, um, what I started to wonder too, after my uh, cousin had emailed me this, I I thought, well, what else did C.S. Lewis talk about? And so I I just started to ask, well, how could I how could I figure this out? Yeah. Um. Obviously, he's got a lot of published work. Um. But none of it's specific about technology, really. Um. But I really started, I guess, with abolition of man and that hideous strength, which which are both yes, right. um sort of about technology but indirectly yeah but so abolition of man is that that essay originally a series of lectures yeah lectures yeah yeah so that's short right but yeah and 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 that sort of is the engine under the hood that's driving uh the story of that hideous strength there's there's clear connections that that i outline in the book of like 
I mean, he, he lifts verbatim lines from Abolition of Man and drops them into the mouths of different people in That Hideous Strength. Interesting. And so, of course, That Hideous Strength is the third book in the yeah. Space Trilogy yeah. series, which is fiction. Yeah, right. And so he's doing this story about this like science yeah. uh, government research facility uh-huh. in this small town that feels like a university town that feels like Oxford. <laughs> right. And it, most people, a lot of people haven't read that actually yeah. you know people have read narnia other things but it's sort of a weird dense yeah. book it, it is a weird dense book yeah. it's probably the le- <laughs> the least of it's my least favorite of the three uh in the in the ransom trilogy well people have, have read them also it's so um it has so many references it, it does both technology and then it also has the character of merlin pops up yeah right it, thing. It, it gets really kind of bizarre and and you've got that whole magic element to it yes and i actually sort of touch on that in the book as well the connections between technology and magic magic yeah i saw that yeah and you're right c.s lewis thinks about magic and technology not as the same thing but they have a relationship yeah they have a relationship he he draws it out in abolition of man and he draws it out again in and he he sort of embodies it in that hideous strength so that's so cool that uh abolition of man the academic part is underneath a fiction thing he does, yeah. which is yeah. fascinating. So those are yeah. two big ones about technology, yeah. but what those else? Those are two big ones. Yeah. There was a more obscure one. Uh, so when he became the chair at Cambridge, he moved from Oxford to Cambridge. Yes, it, right. Kind of late in his career. Yeah, he was at Oxford for forever. Right. Uh, that's where he taught most of the time, but then they never gave him that. So they have different professor ranks there than we have yeah. in the U.S., but they never gave him this full professor rank. Yeah. And so as soon as they didn't do that, Cambridge did offer him that full professor rank. And so I know he still lived in Oxford, but would go to Cambridge every week on the train. Yeah. And so he did this lecture there. He was a commuter. <laughs> yeah, right. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So he, so he does his inaugural lecture at uh, Cambridge, and the title is... Uh, de description temporum, and that means uh, oh, time. A, a description of time. So he's essentially okay. kind of laying out how we think about history, how we break history up into ancient and medieval and Renaissance and modern. Which makes sense. And, he's a, I mean, he's an expert on medieval yeah, things. And yeah, stuff, but so. but history is it it can't be broken up like that and he kind of makes that point but he he articulates kind of why we think about techno, uh think about time or uh history in sort of epics and one of his uh points there is that technology has actually shaped how we think about history huh. um I've and never read this lecture. yeah this it's fascinating cool yeah. It, it's it's a fairly quick read um it's dense and heady but really interesting and so i ran across that in the research and then there's a an assortment of um articles that he wrote that are collected in various places and i picked up those but then and so like that's his that's his like public published work but then i also went into his letters and his letters were actually really illuminating there was a lot of letters he, he wrote a so lot so i have letters. those two the yeah. they're th- in three volumes yeah like like fifteen hundred pages. Fifteen hundred, I don't know. I feel like maybe each, more. Maybe I don't know. Yeah, <laughs> but they're, they're long. Just, yeah, they're really long. All these letters. So you started searching through his personal letters. Yeah, yeah. So uh, thanks be to God and whoever indexed these letters, <laughs> because I, I, you know, I went into the index and I found all of these interesting. All of these. What'd you look for? What kind of technology? Yeah, I, man. I, so I kind of looked up everything I could think of that might be uh, relevant to him. So. Um, the the gramophone, the huh. record player, the 
Um, he talks about contraception. He talks about airplanes. He talks about cars. He talks about the, the television. Um, he talks about modern warfare, machines, tools. Um, yeah. That's fascinating. All sorts of things. You grabbed this from all... So there's not any single book, really. I mean, some of the yeah, ones we mentioned, but really you book. got stuff from all over yeah. the place. Yeah, it was. I was really kind of pulling it all together. And and as far as I can tell, this is really the first book to do that. Um, I, I ran across a dissertation from about 20 years ago where they talk about kind of technology and the concept of progress um, in C.S. Lewis, but it's... Not so. It's not sort of the media ecology framework that we sort of think about technology mm. in, um, and so this is a, a different sort of way to look at it that that brings in that a little more of that framework to understand um, what C.S. Lewis thought about technology, but also it, it it looks at it from not only his his public perspective but also his private perspective in his letters. Yeah, right. So you really get a sense of what he, what his personal sort of practices were, and sort of what his, uh, his kind of gut reactions were <laughs> yeah, to right, things. And right. he was a little bit opposed, just like just kind of like a lot of I well, think I curmudgeonly, am. yeah, curmudgeonly. <laughs> oh, he's a, and are we oh. surprised? Are we surprised? No, we're not surprised. I'm glad that we've clarified that you're the curmudgeon. Uh, yeah, I am the curmudgeon. Because actually, I think everyone can tell. Uh, that's fair. That's fair. Let's just <laughs> which call really a makes spade a spade. Okay, but really makes me sort of mad and jealous because uh, I love C.S. <laughs> Lewis. I want him to be my buddy. Uh, but oh, I I'm f- sure you probably would have gotten along with him. Better but than as I. I've read your ebook, and then as I've the stuff that I've read on him, I think it's true. Yeah, you and him would have like <laughs> we would have at least agreed about a lot of technologies. Yeah, because he does. Sometimes. Yeah, he's he, and he is a bit like I am reactionary. Okay, and kind of has this initial reflex of like disliking technology or disliking way, a new new device. I think the opposite of curmudgeon is going to be the enlightened one. So that will be. Great. Oh, okay. okay. Yeah, curmudgeon yeah, right. enlightened. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. <laughs> okay, so I have this question, uh, sort of about the curmudgeon thing. You just mentioned this earlier, but why did you C.S. Lewis get rid of his radio. You said he got rid of yeah, it, right? Yeah, he did. Yeah. Someone asked him, you know, have you bought a television yet? As if like, you know, you you get a radio and then obviously like the next step in your technological development as a human being is to buy a TV. Yeah. You go from radio to television. With the pictures. Right. And Lewis sort of recognizes this assumption you know, you go from an eight track to a tape player to a CD to an iPod. Like that's the natural course of life, right? He and he's like he refuses that in his sort of reactionary posture. He says, "Far from having gotten a television, we got rid of our wireless. We got rid of our radio." So is he just being contrary? He's like, "I don't want to go with the crowd." I don't think so. I I think he had some good reasons. Uh, I think you're going to have to read the book to get it all. First, I'll say uh, that. Uh, uh, uh-huh. Yeah. But I think there are a couple reasons. Um, one that I didn't put in the book, but I think is true, is the way he reacted to the gramophone, actually, was, I think, influential. He He felt like it 
created an inflated an inflated um, expectation. He said about the gramophone that it it refreshes a jaded ear, but it also creates a heightened expectation for the level of performance of everything else. It you delight in nothing less after you've listened to a turn of the record. Oh, because it's like a a, a practiced yeah, the best of yes, exactly. It's 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 the best of the best, right? And so it it raises your expectation for all the music recorded or live that you hear. Sure. And I I think he so I and he actually made that observation in hmm. when he was a teenager. Interesting. I mean, smart guy, <laughs> smart guy. I'll just say that. Well, right, yeah, from the letters when he's yeah. a teenager. Yeah. Um, I, I think another reason though, he. I think he just felt like it was distracting. Um, so uh, a little girl writes him a letter and asks for advice about how to be a better writer. And he's like, well, it's kind of hard to prescribe like good skills, but here are some practices. Uh-huh. Number one, get rid of the typewriter. It will ruin your sense <laughs> oh, of rhythm. The typewriter, okay. It'll destroy your sense of r- rhythm, he says, which I take issue with. And you can read that in the book. But then he goes on and later down the list. Oh, do like, you? Because I was about to take issue with it. Too. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Seven, eight, <laughs> like, like number seven, he says, uh, turn off the radio. Uh, uh-huh. And I, I think, so he, he writes that around 1955. And between 1955 and 1963, when he dies, he writes um, like a dozen or so uh, books. Right at the end of his life, he he's prolific. He, writes he is so much, and and I th- I think he he wanted to be productive, and he knew that to get rid of the radio that was sort of making noise in the house that was easy to entertain yourself with, to like sit back and relax and enjoy the evening, rather than do something like write. I th- I I think that was kind of in his mind somewhere. Um, it's not the only reason, I don't think, and and you can read more about it. But um, I think that's I think it is a major reason, and I think huh. I, I wonder that he didn't have the radio right. to distract him. Yeah, I wonder, you know, how how many things would we produce if if we weren't distracted by our devices? And I think he he was asking that, and he made choices. C.S. Lewis consistently made choices to take control of his technology in ways that he felt aligned with his values. He definitively did that. Yeah, um, right. You can see it clearly in his, both in his writing, in his letters, and in his published work. Okay, so if, it, if he does go back to his values, though, the question I'm thinking about is the one that you just said a second ago is why didn't he not like the typewriter? <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. apparently he wrote in with uh, pen and paper. Well, yeah, right. And by the way, I don't know if I've mentioned this yet, I have gone and seen the desk where he did the pen and paper <laughs> Narnia thing. So yeah. I was in Oxford last year. Okay. Uh, for sabbatical and got to go to the kilns, his oh, home. Man, that's so and cool. got to like, it's the second floor with a little tiny wood desk, just a yeah. block about as big, you know, your arms could stretch wider than the desk. Really? And he can see out the little tiny glass window with a peaked roof and it looks out over a garden of sorts. Oh, They've man. got a bench in there now, but um, his wife, Joy, had sort of made the garden up into a thing. 
Really? And then past the garden, you can see into this wooded area, which is like a little mini forest preserve okay. in Oxford. I mean, it's in town. It's at the uh-huh. edge of town, okay. though, so I suppose uh, you could get out further. But there's a little pond, and apparently he'd, you know, he'd sort of write about Narnia looking out the window from that little desk, but then he could walk downstairs huh. and walk out on this path and walk around the pond. Huh. So nerdy, cool. <laughs> this, Absolutely, I just loved it. It, so, it sounds amazing. I would love to visit. But they have a typewriter in the office. Really? Yeah, they have one sitting. Was it in the office or downstairs? But it's in the home. Oh yeah, interesting. And they, and they used it. But I know you said in this letter he told this woman not to use yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. Because it interrupted the rhythm. Yeah, yeah. He, uh, he said um, the typewriter will destroy your sense of rhythm, with which still needs years to develop. He says. And yeah, so destroys is a really strong word. <laughs> and I actually take issue with it in the book. I Oh really? Because I was yeah, like yeah. I said I wanted to. What what's yeah. what's your what's my take, take on it? You got it. Um, or I can tell you what I hate. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and I hate to disagree with C.S. Lewis, who I really consider a thought mentor. Yeah. But. Well, I mean, oh, what, do, what do you think? I'd be interested well, to, I, to know. You know, so this hits my, one of my frameworks, right, of, of toy, tool, and environment. Okay. And also sort of digital uh, native versus digital immigrant sort okay. of language. Yeah. And what I find is that the certain technologies that are new have different impacts. Okay on some people that are living with it in an early stage uh-huh. than people that live with it in an environmental stage. Okay. And so yeah, right. that affects the, their progress of thinking, right? Their, inter, their parallel structure, their logic, what feels like an interruption or not an interruption to them, the technology. So, right, right, so, right. So, you know, to put it really sort of crudely, a technology to an older person that there's new, they're not used to can be more interrupting to their creative process. Yeah. Yeah, that's it's, that's, it's that's used to it. it. And so I wonder if C.S. Lewis just was so used to writing Absolutely. by hand at Oxford Absolutely. when he was young, doing all his papers that way for so long that when a typewriter became, and actually I'm being ignorant, I don't know when the typewriter became sort of a normal thing to have in the home. Yeah. Um, but it, since he was used to writing, for sure, we know that. Yeah, right. Uh, that the typewriter felt to him like it destroyed his rhythm. So he therefore gives that same advice to a yeah. younger woman that it might not be that applicable, that he yeah. might be universalizing something that was actually more specific to him. Yeah, yeah. I, I would agree with that. So the, the typewriter sort of started developing in the 1880s, um, 1870s. That. What's that? I knew you would know that. Yeah. Yeah, so I figure it's much I mean, older, but he I did a little, use it a lot. right? I did a little research, and um, l- what Lewis is right about is that g- going from handwriting to typewriting will change how you write. Your yes. your style will change. Yes, your your rhythm will change. Yes, and uh, I mean th- that's a fairly you know. Um, accepted sort of I think it is but I mean I think it's accepted fact. by you and me quite yeah. a bit because yeah. we say this is one of the things I think we mean yeah. when we say technology is not neutral right exactly because 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 it's not it does makes changes no right. like it makes changes in the way you structure your thought like so I use copy and paste right in Google right. Docs right. all the time right and that changes and I and I write a lot yeah and that changes how I write so yeah. I can uh, but I think that is it good or bad but the tools the tools you use shape the way you think and do what you do and create and construct yeah absolutely and so where C.S. Lewis was seeing destruction yeah he was actually seeing change and yes uh, he felt that the handwriting rhythm was the right way to write mm. but 
what was actually happening with the typewriter, it was creating a new way to write yes. or a different way to write. Yeah. So it, in some ways, it was destroying it, an old way of it writing. It was destroying an old way of writing. But there's a new way, way of being replaced right. in there. Yeah. Right. And, and that's, that's I, I do. I take issue with Lewis a little bit there. He's right that it's changing, but he's wrong that it's destroying. It's not destroyed, but it is different. The uh, one of the interesting things is, you know, he answered all those letters you're talking about from the girl and fathers. Yeah. You know, he answered yeah. tons of letters, right. right? When you look at his letter yeah. collections, he had tons of letters from the U.S., especially fans in your in in the U.K., but a lot from the U.S. And he'd answer all of them, but he didn't have time. So, as you know, he got his brother Warney huh. to type up a lot of his responses. There's he didn't the use the typewriter himself, yeah, but his brother did. Yeah. And they, tons of his letters were typed, but they were typed by his brother. That's so very he was very comfortable with someone else in the home <laughs> using the technology to do it faster yeah. than he could do it, Yeah, which is, which is interesting. <laughs> uh, faster or at least it was legible. Probably more legible because he would use for shorthand for, for sure. Warney to say what he wanted to say. He uh-huh. would literally sort of either dictate verbally yeah. or write down some scratches of little short things, tell them this, and then mm-hmm. Warney would sort of phrase it for That's him. really interesting. Yeah. Yeah, I, I mean... Yeah, we kind of so we kind of go around and around on that, but he that that's really why he didn't want to use a typewriter. And it would be very interesting. I mean, if if he if he had, you know, what how would have his style changed? I mean, there's there's a fairly clear delineation um, for uh, actually Frederick Nietzsche, who oh. started um, he he did a lot of his philosophy by hand. He was handwriting, but then towards the end of his life, he he ends up like basically going blind he can't he's like legally blind at this point and so he ends up using a, a an early typewriter to huh. transcribe his thoughts huh. and the style of his writing like is utterly shifted interesting you know what would have it been like if if lewis had acquired a typewriter and decided you know what i'm gonna try this aslan starts wearing i don't know disco clothes yeah right, 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 right. <laughs> no, no, probably not but actually like we're saying this is technology so we say that as an example of technology sort of not being neutral because it changes yeah. things and great example with nietzsche does tech does lewis say anything about technology and neutralness he does actually this this was really I'm exciting pitching that up like... i saw that in your ebook <laughs> you had a section goes does, does yeah. Lewis say technology is neutral yeah so the short answer is yes, he does explicitly say technology is per se neutral. And he's actually really? uh, responding to uh, another guy, uh, Arthur C. Clarke, who is sure. sort of a you know well-known science fiction writer in the 20th century British guy and, I mean, wrote prolifically in science fiction. He actually wrote, co-wrote, um, 2001 A Space Odyssey, the 1960s yeah, film sure. with Stanley Kubrick. Um, so yeah, really famous. But he and he and Lewis actually get into it about technology. Uh, <laughs> it's so it's it's such an interesting uh, back and forth. It's in the book, and but they go back and forth with this dialogue about technology and like, is it evil or is it good? And and Clark serves it up. He's like. You know, it's neither good nor bad. It's neither morally good or morally bad. And okay. Lewis agrees with him that yeah, it's it's per se neutral. And so that's kind of uh, how Lewis thought about it, uh-huh. right? Yeah, interesting. I don't know, but one of the arguments that I kind of make throughout the book is that 
Lewis says that, but his philosophy of technology that you see in Abolition of Man and I'm that hideous say, strength. That hideous strength, it, the story doesn't sound like he thinks technology is neither good or evil. Yeah. He thinks there's some evil connected right. with it. He 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 does, but he consistently traces it back to human beings and what they know. And he doesn't think about how the tools shape what they know or shape what they do. And and so he kind of is is um going upstream to humans and saying, well, it's really in the heart of, of he these individuals. He gives a lot of intention, right. a lot of weight to intention and yeah. character. Yeah. So, I would say. is that right? Right. He's, he's an instrumentalist. He sees the devices as merely instruments executing the will of human beings. Yeah. And so that's how he kind of articulates it in his own mind. But, but both, would you say actually that then, I mean, in that hideous strength, He's seeing there's sort of you know some characters there. They're sort of you're seen as the bad guys. They're the scientists in some way, but that mostly he's just seeing as their technologies expands their impact or they can now conquer the world. Yeah, kind of thing. I think so. I, but they're actually evil at heart. Yeah, of. I think I think that's that's probably true. Um, but definitely the technology is making things possible for them that weren't possible before, like. The head of Alcazan, keeping it alive, and there's a narrative about power there. I think, as yeah, well. technology yeah. giving them a power they didn't right, have, right? And and if you, when you read it, you do get a sense that, like, man, these guys are really evil, and it feels a little unreal. Unreal, exactly. Like, and also Merlin is in this, <laughs> and like the wizard, yeah, is in Merlin. this book, right? Yeah, there, yeah. Magic is kind of shot through this book. And what's interesting is that is not the first time magic shows up. It actually shows up in Abolition of Man, strangely enough, in, 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 his, lectures, academic in lecture, his academic lectures. Yeah, he has this whole connection between magic and technology. Yeah, he does. He does. And I, yeah, I kind of outline his thoughts and how he connects those two things uh, in in the book. See, that that's... Super awesome, uh, and yeah. there is a connection. I yeah, there is. It. There is. Um, man, I want to ask you about so many other things in here. Like, but well, probably we can't do these cars. Uh, what he thought about a car? He sort of was cranky about cars. A, l- a little bit. He he had a complex relationship with cars. Yeah, he had a road trip in his twenties. Like his many car, of where us. the car broke down like twice with his dad, and I think he's <laughs> that probably colored his his perception for life. I yeah, was just, <laughs> yeah. He he had a bias against them overall, but he recognized the need for them as well. And people forget that you know also Lewis fought in World War One. He did. And so I mean, he had guns a, and weapons. Yeah, he had a pretty clear opinion and and informed opinion about about modern weapons yeah interesting and uh other things that you touch yeah. in here genetic engineering genetic engineering wow. airplanes contraception so many things this is amazing so uh i have loved this ebook uh Thank i think you. folks should go just download it yeah for it's sure. it's available for free it's you're not you don't have to pay pay for pay for it well that's amazing yeah uh i was actually gonna ask you how much it was uh <laughs> that's great uh so this this ebook about c.s lewis and technology is called mere technology of course <laughs> c.s lewis confronts the devices shaping his life and ours so now we should wrap up which means it's time 
for it vice or virtue. I love it. Yes. Uh, so given that we've been talking about C.S. Lewis, uh, Adam, <laughs> and you said today that uh, Lewis got rid of his radio. He did. But we also said today that he got famous by radio. Oh, yeah. I so guess. my question for you is vice or virtue, the radio. <laughs> Man. Well, it's certainly not neutral. C.S. Lewis wouldn't be C.S. Lewis without it. Um, but he also became more C.S. Lewis without it, right? Because he got rid of it. Um, I'm going to say, I'm going to go virtue. I think mm. without the radio, who knows if C.S. Lewis would be the household name he is today. Okay, good answer. Oh, I am going to go vice. <laughs> Mostly to disagree with you. Yeah, but yeah. The, <laughs> uh-huh. But so Marshall McLuhan famously says that broadcast media uh, created a global village, right? It created yeah. the... The, the sense of radio particularly, and then TV later, was a thing that collected the whole world into one, at one point in time, we were all listening to the same thing at once, just like yeah. a town crier. So yeah. he's picturing sort of the Walter Cronkite, and we're all huddled around our radios. <laughs> um, I guess that was TV, but sort of a, it, it reincorporated everybody together. Yeah. But the, so that created a more of a village community sense, but, but it also created a power sense yeah um it, it created a the highest sense of gatekeeping yeah we saw in media and technology in the history yeah where one or two people would decided everything that we saw and i mean we could think about today on facebook and other things that yeah. that's a big deal but really now media is social and interactive you can talk back right you can delete you can influence you can change and broadcast and so media, fragmented the radio only moved one way yeah so c.s lewis's listeners could only hear him talk at them but yeah. they couldn't talk back to him yeah they wrote letters instead they did write letters Letters, and that's how they did it. But in that sense, I think it created a sense of power that still affects us on communication today. Absolutely. So despite the fact that I love Lewis, it's a vice. All right. That's a good argument. I'll buy it. <laughs> <laughs> Got to get my words in here somehow. Absolutely. But I'm really glad you uh, were the expert today for this C.S. Lewis ebook. Yeah, it's thank good you. stuff. I'm so excited about people downloading this. Yeah. And uh, I can't wait for us to talk again. Awesome. Me neither. Hey, let's keep the conversation going. I think it's an argument. Okay. Tweet to us at Device Virtue. And for links and show notes, check us out at deviceandvirtue.com. And do leave us some love by rating us on iTunes. Yeah, please do. This episode was brought to you in part by the audio adventure series, Discovery Mountain. Help your kids fall in love with the Bible. Each true-to-life adventure story will draw them closer to Jesus. Visit discoverymountain.com CT.